Welcome to the Hill City Church Podcast. We are a church family located in Springfield, Missouri. You can learn more about us and support our ministries at hillcitysgf.org. Mark 1, 9 through 11. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. That is the word of the Lord. You grab a seat this morning. It's great to be with you. If you're visiting, so glad you're here. My name's Brad. I'm the lead teaching pastor of Hill City Church. Last week we started this gospel of Mark. We're going to continue that this week. First, I'd like to pray and then we will jump in. God, we love you. And your word is so rich. As we look at these three verses, chapter one of Mark this morning, we ask that you would uh, open our eyes and show us incredible things. God, nothing more incredible in your word than the word, your son. May we see him today. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. So to the parents in the room, you're going you're gonna to feel me here on this one. So you've probably taken a vacation before. I know recently, last year, actually, we took a vacation to the mountains, did a little bit of snowboarding. And we were up on a mountain in Colorado. Snowflakes were falling. It's beautiful scenery as you look across and see a mountain range. Like snowflakes as big as your head, like this is amazing. To which I would answer, I would get, I would get a question, dad, dad, dad. Can we go to the hot tub? I mean, oh, you mean like the hot tubs we have in Missouri? Yes, yes, those hot tubs. And, I, and, and right, and parents were up there and were like, man, you, you are missing it. Like that's, yes, we can go to the hot tub later, but what, like, like, like can you behold here? Now, some of you don't have kids, you're like, I don't, that, that's not true, I hear that stuff all the time. Well, okay, maybe this will resonate with you. So recently we, uh, we did some staff pictures. And what will happen if you've been in a group picture, all of you have been in a group picture, whether it's a group of two or 20, then here's what happens. Ultimately, when you see that picture or when that picture is made available to you, you do this, I do this, just admit it. You go to the picture, and the first person that you look for in the picture is you. What do I look like? Okay, that's very underwhelming, and then I just get rid of the picture. I mean, no, I got to go look at everybody else too. Okay, I will, but like I go to a picture, and I, and I, and I want to see me first, and that's what you do too. And I only bring that up because I want to be very clear about something, especially if you're visiting this book is about Jesus. It would be catastrophic for you to miss it, for you want to go to a hot tub. What I mean by hot tub is like, well, first and foremost, like, what about my friendships and relationships? Well, first and foremost, no, we'll get that. Yeah, yes, we can go to the hot tub, but right now, like, look. It would be catastrophic to go to this book and be like, where am I? Where am I? Where am I? Before we go to this book to see who it's about. 
And it's about Jesus. Jesus is the point. If you're not sure, some of your Bibles actually have, they're sectioned off, right? And, and, and those sections aren't, aren't Holy Spirit inspired, but they help us read it, right? So if you look at like verse 9 where we started today, in those days, Jesus. Then you look at the next section in the Bible where it talks about the temptation of Jesus. Here's the verse. The Spirit immediately drove him. Who's him? Jesus. Okay, then the next section after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee. Okay, well now he's going to call his first disciples passing along the Sea of Galilee. He, that's Jesus. Like this is how this, is how this goes. This book. And even specifically Mark, but I mean the Bible, but Mark, this is about Jesus, who is the only way to get to God. Jesus said that. I didn't. Jesus is the truth. He's not one truth among many truths. He's the truth. I didn't say that. Jesus said that. Our current culture says the opposite. We'll unpack more of that as we go through this whole gospel of Mark, this is the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And if we will look for him, we will find him. But I don't want us to just find him, I want us to embrace him. I don't want us to just embrace him. I want us then to believe what he says and I want us then to do what he tells us to do. This book is about Jesus And maybe you're a Missouri State student. Or maybe you're a mom that drives a minivan every day. Or maybe you run a multi-million dollar company. It doesn't matter. You go to this book and you find Jesus. And he will influence every area of your life. So by way of review... We are in the gospel of Mark. Now Mark, the person, we learned last week, he was actually a quitter. He quit on a missionary journey. Ticked Paul right off where Paul wouldn't even bring him on a next journey. But he was a quitter. Now listen, when he was writing this gospel of Mark, he was no longer a quitter. He had been redeemed. God used him. And we learned last week that God will do that, that sort of thing. Mark writes this gospel as an eyewitness account of Peter. He was Peter's guy. And he said, this is the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And we saw last week that the key verse of Mark was chapter 10, verse 45, where the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus is on the move in Mark. This is an action-packed gospel. He is going, and he is going there immediately. We see that the word immediately is used over 40 times in this gospel of Mark. And actually, most of those times, the majority of those are actually used in chapter 1. Immediately, he is going somewhere. And today, we see Jesus and his baptism. This is not how we planned this. We not strategically picked this passage because we had baptism. We are looking to Jesus this morning and his baptism. And we are going to look at Jesus this morning in this passage. We are going to look to Jesus in this passage. And here is what you'll find. And please allow this to blow your mind. Somehow, some way. If we will do that, we will see ourselves in this picture. But we first 
go to Jesus. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan River. Now listen, this, this, this book would have been heard aloud. People wouldn't have been reading this. They would have been hearing this. And right there, that sentence, I don't want you to miss it. Would have, people would have been squirming in this day and time. Wait a minute. You just said son of God. And now you're talking Nazareth and Jordan? Excuse me. It was Nathaniel in the Bible who said, nothing good comes from Nazareth. Like Nazareth had a reputation. Nothing good came from that city. Oh, little did they know the only one who was ever good came from that city. But the audience would have been squirming. Nazareth? Now, wait a minute. You're talking Nazareth, and then you say Jordan. Let's talk about the River Jordan just quickly, like these nasty, muddy waters of the Jordan. Nazareth, Jordan, son of God? That doesn't add up. Gods and kings don't get into the Jordan, and gods and kings don't come from Nazareth. So what is this? What is going on here at this baptism? Why would Jesus, the Son of God, get into the waters to be baptized by John, the baptizer? And we cannot overlook it. Right out of the gate, we see the humility of our King. The humility of our king, the one who will baptize with the spirit, submits in humility to be baptized by John. And John, yes, the one who said, no, 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 after me comes he who is mightier than I. Then why is he who is mightier being baptized by the one who is not as mighty. Why isn't Jesus coming on the scene saying, okay, John, your work is done. Now you come here. I will baptize you. That's not what Jesus does. What is Jesus doing by being baptized? I would say he's doing multiple things at one time. First, here's what I believe Jesus is doing. He is saying with his action of being baptized. Remember, last week we talked about this. Mass of people followed John the Baptist. He wasn't just some hippie in the woods with six or seven people. Like he had a multitude of people followed John the Baptist. And Jesus gets in the water. And by doing that, he is telling the masses he was right. What he said, he was right. After him was coming one who was mightier than him. He was right. He was telling you all to repent. Like, change your mind. Change your direction. He was right. He was saying, be baptized. John was telling you guys to do that. He was right. So right, I'm going to do it. Jesus comes on the scene. And in his baptism is saying, John the baptizer was right. That's not all that he was doing. What else was Jesus doing as he, as he walked into those waters of the muddy, nasty Jordan River? Because listen to me, 
He's out of place. He's in the nasty waters of the Jordan being baptized by someone who is less than he is. He is out of place. He didn't need forgiveness. He didn't need to repent of anything. He didn't need a baptism. He was God. He had no needs. He seemed to be out of place. What was he doing? Jesus, Jesus, you're the king. Like you should have been side by side with John the Baptist, saying, Hey, everything he's right now, now get out of the way. I'll take over from here. You should have been preaching alongside John the Baptist. It's not what he does. Why? Jesus is identifying with sinful humans, just like you and me. I don't want you to miss it. Jesus comes on the scene and he puts himself with the people who would come to be baptized by John the baptizer. But it's not just that he puts himself with the people who came to be baptized by John. He put himself right beside those who he would ultimately come to redeem. And for some reason, Jesus chose in this moment to number himself with the sinners. Why? He's Jesus. He's God. Why would he do that? Because in this moment, he's being baptized. In Jesus' baptism, this is his first step of making the weight of sin his burden. But not just the people who were there. Not just their sin. This is his first step in making my sin and your sin and the weight of that sin become the weight that he would ultimately have to bear. This is our king, and he's taken a step in a direction. And this is his first step in that direction. We talked about it last week, but listen, by way of review, what did John the baptizer say? Behold, I send my messenger before you. Or Mark writes this. He says, it's written, behold, I send my messenger before you. That's John. Who will prepare your way. What way? What do you mean? Where's he going? He's got a way here. And he says, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. What did John say? He said, prepare the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. Where's he going? And we Listen, on the scene, we have this baptism. Jesus chooses to do this. And, and he does it out of humility. Why? Well, we learn later in the New Testament, being found in human form, he humbled himself. This was his pattern. Being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient. That's what Jesus was doing. But it wasn't, he didn't stop at his baptism. He became obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. Listen, this was his first step in bearing the sins of the world. This baptism was the first step. He is going to the cross where he will there fully bear our sins. The Bible would even say that he became sin. He who knew no sin became sin. 
For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This started at his baptism and it culminates at Calvary. See, right here today, in these three verses, our king was baptized in water. And he was baptized by John. But at Calvary, he's going to be baptized again. And what I mean by baptized is quite literally, he's going to be immersed. That's what the word means. He's going to be covered. He's going to be immersed. But this time at Calvary, it will not be immersed or covered with water. But he will be immersed in his very own blood for the sins of of the world. Why would we ever go to this book to see ourselves first? My sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven if you're following Jesus. So I'm going to ask this question. How was your week? Listen, you had a week like me? I come to this nearly weeping. Run to him. Sprint to him. He identified with you. And when he came up out of the water, immediately, there's that word, he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. The heavens were torn open. The heavens were schizo. That word there is where we get our English word schism. It's to violently tear open. So when the heavens tore open, don't think like a jacket unzipping slowly. The heavens were ripped open. Schizo. Now listen, you take this word, I want you to put it in your back pocket. But let me set this, let me just do, go here. The way the Bible is written, specifically Mark, it was, it, was, it was to be heard orally, right? So what they would do is they would frame a story. So think about last week. We have the Son of God and Schizo. And what we're going to see at the end of Mark, we're going to see Son of God, Schizo. It's the frame. And when that happens, that means everything else in between those frames have to do with that. Can you put that in your back pocket just for a minute? Thank you. Let's talk about who was present at this baptism. We'll come back to that. Who was there? I'm not talking about John. I'm not talking about the multitude. Like who was present at Jesus' baptism? Well, the first thing I want to do then before we even look at that is let's go to the beginning. Remember last week, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen, and, and all of us are like, wait a minute, I've heard that before in Genesis 1. Yes, you have. In the beginning, God. So who was present in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was out form and void. And darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Genesis 1, we have God. We have God's Word. And we have God's Spirit. Let me say it again. In the beginning, we have God. 
We have God's word and we have God's spirit. Well, guess what? The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we also have the spirit who comes after the skies are broken up. We have God the Father who speaks and we have Jesus the Son there who is the word who became flesh. It's the same. This should take us back to Genesis. The sky rips open, then God the Father speaks. What did God say? He speaks to the Son, and he says, you are my beloved Son. In other words, you are the Son who I love, and with you I am well pleased. My Son, I love you, and I am pleased with you. For the Bible studiers in here, you're going, yes, there's echoes of Psalms chapter 2, verse 7. There's Isaiah chapter 42. This is the Son of God. See, in verse 1, Mark writes, beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Like, Mark writes that. But in, right here, this isn't Mark. This is God saying it out loud. This is the Son of God. And I love you, and I delight in you. So can we just get practical just for a minute? And I'm talking to parents, but I just want father, just if all the fathers just do some eye contact. So now we're going to get practical. Love your kids. Delight in your kids. And you're like, okay, listen to me. Out loud. One of the joys of my life is to walk through Hill City Kids. I used to do a lot more when we were at the UP. I actually have some videos. I'll break those out later when these kids get bigger and uglier, okay? But, like, I, I take videos of the kids. And it's fun to watch them grow up. And some of those kids I have in those videos, they're becoming, like, middle schoolers now. going to be high schoolers. And it's like, like, I can hug my seven-year-old girl said, hey, daddy loves you, and I can hug her and say, I'm pleased with you. Dads, you can't stop. It's going to seem weirder. It's going to be harder as they get older. Listen, I was in public education for a lot of years. As these kids get into high school and then they get beyond high school, it's weird to me. Parents just stop saying out loud, I love you, I'm proud of you, I'm pleased with you. Can I give you a fun fact, just real quick? Jesus was 30 years old. And the father said, I love you, and I'm pleased with you. Maybe you're a son and a daughter, and you're in this room, and all you've ever wanted your whole life was for your earthly father just to look at you and say out loud, I love you, and I'm pleased with you, and it hasn't happened. You know that's a reality in this room? You long to hear it, and you've never heard it, and I want to tell you, I'm sorry. The one who should be telling you that the most didn't, but I want to give you some comfort this morning and tell you that, that listen, the good and perfect father is there. And I want you to hear his kind voice this morning saying, I love you. I'm well pleased with you. Um, Jesus hadn't even done anything yet. So we got to talk about this. He hadn't started his ministry yet. 
No miracles. No demons cast out. No flipping tables, driving out people who are taking advantage of other people. He hadn't done, a, hadn't done anything. And God the Father said, I love you and I'm pleased with you. Why am I telling you that? He heard from his father who he was. And then he acted out of, his, out of what his father said was true of him. In other words, he got his identity from his father. And then he acted out of that identity. His work, his acts, his ministry was done out of his identity. He didn't have to go do that to earn the approval of his father. And what's crazy is you don't either. Now, religion's going to tell you something different. Religion's going to say this. No, listen, it's, it's your actions. If you do this action, if you do enough, if you do enough, like, then you will get your identity. If I come to church enough, then I'm going to be loved. If I do enough for poor people, then God will be proud of me. I want to tell you, if that's your mindset, you're a very religious person. And that's how the religions of the world actually operate, but that's not how Jesus operates. That's not the good news. The good news is that we start with identity. I am loved. I am called by God. I am kept by him. And it's out of that identity, then I can go worship him. It's out of that identity. Man, why wouldn't I go serve poor people? This, this is who I am. This is what I do. I'm not doing it to earn something. I'm doing this out of my identity. We see this example in the life of our king. The Bible would say that when we trust in Jesus, that our lives are hidden in his. Another way the Bible says that we are clothed in the righteousness of our king or the rightness of our king. Whatever Jesus did right, we are clothed in that when we trust in him. And what happens is God the Father looks down and he sees his son Jesus and all that his son Jesus did when he looks at us. So we've got to ask again, it's rhetorical, is God the Father pleased with Jesus. Let's talk out loud. Does God the Father delight in his son Jesus? Let's talk out loud. So what does that mean for those of us who are in Christ? This is the greatest news you're ever going to hear in your life. How is this possible? How? That God the Father would look at those who believe him and then he would see everything? Like, how is this possible? Let's go back to our back pockets. Do you remember Schizo? Remember that? Tearing open of something. See, in the beginning of redemption, right here in Mark chapter 1, was the beginning of redemption. Jesus is baptized in water. The sky rips open. God the Father speaks. But there's another schizo at the end of Mark in chapter 15. And Jesus is on the cross and he's immersed in all of his blood. And this is his most agonizing moment of his life. And in this moment, he looks for the Father. Where's the schizo? Like, Dad! And Mark 15 says that Jesus screams out, My God, my God, why have you 
forsaken me. Jesus uttered a loud cry and he breathed his last breath. And the curtain of the temple, of the temple, was schizo in two. From top to bottom. Listen, this curtain, we'll, we'll talk more about this when we get into this passage. It, was, it wasn't like a schizo. Ripped immediately. Jesus Christ took every drop of the cup of God's wrath. And part of what was in that cup was that forsakenness. It's what you and I deserved. We deserved in our most agonizing moment to look around and for God the Father to be nowhere. But Jesus took that for us. And in doing this, he made a way for us to get back to God. The curtain was torn. And now you and I have access to God. And it's not just that. The curtain was torn. And what happens is what was true of us on the cross became true of Jesus. So that what was true of Jesus would then become true of us before the Father. This is how God can look at us and be well pleased. Because he sees his son. Jesus Christ. The son of God. Let's pray.